Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. We're going to lean in to some things today. It's going to be very challenging. I'm I'm speaking to the reality of a godly man, a godly man. My heart for you is that if this is your church and I'm your pastor and you receive the ministry and you're part of the ministry here, that I wouldn't just give you, you wouldn't just receive information or knowledge that through this ministry, you would be equipped men, you would be equipped to be good men, godly men godly fathers, godly husbands, and that God would use you by his grace and his power to raise a family that produces other godly men and other godly fathers and other godly husbands. This is important. If we just, you just come here and get information and knowledge that is useless, what my heart for you is that the families of this church Regardless of where you are, the families of this church would become healthy and would become godly households that bring honor and glory to God through their houses. Amen? The issues in our society, it's not the lost people's families' household that's the problem. The problem is we don't have godly examples of what it means for men to lead their homes, for men to be men of the word, for men to be men who have standards, for men who are loving and kind and at the same time incredibly masculine. Amen? Somehow in the world, masculinity, even in the word of it, just comes with the, yeah, but that's toxic. That is not toxic. The world wants you to think it is because they want to do away with the role of man in society. But look around, friends. The man not being in society, godly men not leading out of masculinity, it's not working. I want to begin in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where we were last week. As I said, it was a, it was a two-part message, and I'm going to share with you again, we're going to read this briefly. God's preparing the children of Israel to go into the land, to receive their inheritance, to be what they were called to be. And it was very important before they could actually walk in the blessing of God. I want you to hear me for a second. Before they could walk in the blessing of God, they had to know how to steward that. And in Deuteronomy chapter six, it says, now this is the command, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commands me, and this is Moses speaking, to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God and your son and your son's son by keeping all the statutes and his commandment, which I command you all the days of your life, that, now look, what's the purpose of this? What's the purpose of teaching? What's the purpose of obeying the word of God? What's the purpose? So that you, your days may be long. Not that they may be short, not that you won't have any fun, not that you're gonna gonna live a restricted life. No, that they may be long. The truth is this. Briefly, the world says, hey, come, our culture says, come and follow. I will, I will show you what real living is like. And the issue is they will lead you to death. But Jesus says, I want you to come and die and I'll show you what real living is. 
The purpose here is that you would obey so that you can actually live a long life. The scripture goes on. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach. Everybody say teach. You shall teach them diligently to your children. So this is an active purpose. There is a reason for there to be parents. There's a reason for men to be fathers. Here's the purpose that you would teach them what? The truths of God's word to your children. Well, how am I going to teach them? That's why I bring in the church. No, hang on. You're to teach them with your life. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. This is the purpose of parents. This is a Christian household. You teach them. You stand on the word of God. What, Don, what, De, what Deuteronomy is talking about is this idea that this is what the God's household is to look, look like. At the center of that household of God is a family that is talking about God. They are, they are striving to seek God. They, the fathers of the home are teaching, not just by word, but when they sit, when they rise, when they eat, when they watch a game, when they watch a movie. When they go on a hike, when they, how they treat the wife, how they treat the kids, that's what's happening. You're teaching them. This is, not to, this is not to families that don't know God. This is to families that do know God. This is the purpose of the structure of the Christian household, the Christian home. And in the scriptures, now again, there's, we have a, we, we can... We can talk about the structure of different homes. And I know there are people who have been impacted deeply by the brokenness of mankind, by, by a father, by a man, by, by a mother, by a woman, and things have broken apart. But here's what we do know in the New Testament, that God is the God of redemption. God is the God that heals. God's the God that restores. God's the God that, that if you don't have a father, when you hear the word father, you kind of flinch a little bit because of your experience of a, of a father. Maybe he's demeaning, maybe he's degrading, maybe he's abusive. But here's the beautiful thing. God can heal your precious heart and you can lift your eyes to a father God who sees you and he, he's the best father. He's the best husband. He's the best man who can serve you in your life. Amen. But it's important we continue, though, to reiterate what a Christian home is to be. The purpose of the Christian home is to teach the things of the Word of God to their children. And so there's a structure and there's an order. Everything in God's um, world, everything that God created, everything that God established has an order. That's why the world and the culture wants to attack it all the time. But there's a structure. And there is an order ordained by God that's mentioned multiple times in the Bible. And so before we, we get to some of these other things, it's important we understand the structure. And the structure of the home of mom, dad, and children, it's mentioned in the Bible. And it says that there are those in the home that have certain roles, certain roles in the family, certain responsibilities. And it's, and it's before God, they are to... Obey those roles. They are to ask God for the grace to help them. 
Here's the reality in the home. There are, there are roles that a man has that the woman does not have the anointing to carry out. I do believe in a single family home or in a home where, where the, the husband has gone off the rails that God gives grace to the woman to walk those out. A hundred percent. I've seen it over and over again. But the reality is in a Christian home, a man has a role that he's to carry out in the home. And that, that man is given the role and the anointing, if he chooses to cooperate with it, to initiate and work in the home and carry out what God has called the Christian family to be. And since it's Father's Day, I want to speak to the fathers. I also want to speak to men. I also want to speak to single men. I also want to speak to single women. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, and again, speaking of the, of the structure of the, of the home, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus. And he felt it was important that the church understood the structure of a biblical home because they lived in a culture that didn't understand that. They lived in a culture that, that was degrading the Christian home. So he wasn't writing to whoever would read them. He wasn't writing to, he wasn't writing a blog. He wasn't doing a social post. He was writing to the church of Jesus Christ. And we're going to read it today. And he's writing to us. And he spoke often of Christian homes. And he gives the, the structure because order matters to God. Order really matters. Order of the scriptures really matter to God. The context of the scripture as we know, the scriptures aren't like a, a, bingo, uh, a bingo wheel and you just turn it and you pull stuff up here and, and you put them together. Oh, that's what it says. No, that's not what it says. There's an order. It's the same way with the home. It's not made up by man. It's not made up by woman. It's not made up by kids. It's made by God because he established the home. And so God gives the structure for a godly Christian family. And I want to read this today. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, I want you to understand that the head of the man is Christ, the head of the wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Even interesting today, in church, when you read a passage like that, people get uncomfortable. That should not be in a church. Everybody say amen. Amen. We should not be uncomfortable when the scripture is read about the structure of family. If we're uncomfortable, it's probably the Holy Spirit kind of doing a little elbow in your rib saying, hey, did you see that? But this is speaking of the God-ordained structure. Why? Why would God do this? I'll tell you why. Because God cares deeply about the family. He cares deeply about serving, about protecting, and about teaching, and about producing godly families. It's not restrictive. This order is not restrictive. This order is not to, 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 to devalue someone or devalue a role. Nope. Every, the mom and the dad, the husband and the wife in the house have the exact same value. They do, though, by God's design, have different roles and responsibilities. Whether they want them or not. If you want God's flow of favor, you want God's flow of, of power, you want God's flow his blessing, 
then this is the order. It's like a valve, like on a garden hose, and you got God's blessing, and, and if you'll just squeeze the handle, it's going to come out. But I don't like that handle. So what? But I want God's blessing. Well, it's not going to happen until you squeeze the handle and put things in alignment. So this is the God-ordained structure. This is the proper alignment so that his blessing can flow in, to, and through his families. God all, Paul also speaks of Christian homes in Ephesians chapter 5. And if, if you haven't read that in a while, let me encourage you to do that. Ephesians chapter 5, it's verses 22 all the way through 32. But for sake of time, we're just going to pick some of those. This is actually, uh, this is the passage that Cheryl and I have referenced on the inside of our, on our wedding rings. Because we got married with the commitment to one another to have a biblical Christian home. So we, this is the ring Cheryl gave me. And she was... On it, it's, it's the, she gave me a ring to, to remind me of her vows that she has made to me. And on the inside, this is what she wants too. And so I also did the same with her. So a Christian home is a decision, but it also, it takes work. But this is what the passage says, it, and it's referring to the Christian home. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Uh-oh, hang on. What did you just say? I understand we live in a world where that word submit has been, has been defamed by dominant men who instead of leading out of the character and the spirit of Christ, they try to dominate through power and dominance. That is not godly leadership. That's worldly leadership. And so this word submit, again, in the Christian home, this word submit simply means, you ready for this? Allow yourself to be protected by. Allow yourself to be protected by. Just as Christ is the head of the man, he's protected by Christ. The man is the head of the wife. She's protected by him. It's protection. God has anointed husbands and fathers in the home to carry an anointing. Why? I don't know. That's how he did it. To protect the home. And so... God wants his homes protected. And this is how he laid it out. Husbands, though... And listen, Paul knows, Paul knows us goofy men and our something about a man's masculinity, testosterone, there's a dominance. It's easier to dominate than it is to lead. And one is of the flesh and one's of the spirit. One is sinful and one is righteous. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Uh-oh. And gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the, of the water with the word. This is, this is a responsibility of the man of the home. You are to be the one. You're the one who helps 
Bring throughout the home the word of God that is taught, the word of God that is honored, the word of God that is represented, the word of God that is, that is talked about, the word of God that is, that is um, represented is one of your main responsibilities. You absolutely do it with your wife. You lead together. You are of, you have, you, you are of no different values, but you do have different responsibilities. But husbands, you should love your wives as your own bodies. In other words, you shouldn't think about you first. You should think about your wife first. All the women say amen. All the men say oh me. I'm just kidding. Sorry. You should think about your wife first. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. We are, because we are members of his body, however... Let each of you, each one of you, love his wife. Again, he's speaking to men, husbands. Love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the Christian household. This is not the world's household. This is the household. This is the structure. This is the flow of a biblical Everybody say biblical. A biblical family. It's nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to be afraid of. It is God's best for our homes. Amen. Amen. Marriage is a picture. As we just read there, it's a, it's a picture of how the church is to relate to Jesus and how Jesus is to relate to the church. Jesus serves us. When's the last time Jesus was abusive to his church? He never was. He laid his life down for her. When's the last time Jesus shamed his church publicly just to embarrass them? To show, hey, wait a minute, you think you're something? Let me show you, I'm dominant here. He hasn't. He actually came and took on the nature of a servant to serve the church. Sounds like a pretty good husband. He provided for the church. He purchased you from the kingdom of darkness for his father. He went out of his way. He pulled out the wallet and his wallet was his own body and the money was his own blood. And he purchased you. Sounds like a good husband. And so we as the church are to Submit to him because he's loving. Because who wouldn't want to submit to a loving God who wants nothing but the best for us? So when he says, hey, my word says this, then we say, of course. How, how beautiful that you would tell me how to live my life so that I could reap the blessing of you in my life. This is the, this is the picture of the marriage as it is with the church and Jesus. This says that the, that the scripture says that Jesus is the head. So as the head is, the church is. Jesus is righteous, we're righteous. As Jesus goes, we go. Now, when you think about the Christian home and the Christian families and the, and the churches that we know of. So just as, as Jesus goes, the church goes. The same with the family. As the father and husband goes, the family goes.
And you could also say, as go the Christian family, so goes the nation. I'm telling you right now, the Christian family is the number one guardrail to the health of this nation. It's not, it's not a family that doesn't know God. It's the Christian family. It's the Christian man that says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if enough of us actually do it, we're going to see the transformation in the land in which God has given us to dwell. I want to read to you a quote from John Piper, and he's talking about marriage. I just love how he articulates this idea of the roles. He says this, when sin entered the world, speaking of the Garden of Eden, it ruined, ruined the harmony of marriage, not because it brought headship and submission into existence. So sin did not bring headship and submission into existence. It's not a, it's not a, a result of sin. But sin twisted man's humble, loving headship into hostile domination. And some men and lazy indifference in others. And it also twisted woman's intelligent, willing submission into manipulative spirit and attitude or to submit, meaning what he was saying here is to, to through your submission, through your obedience, the motivation is to manipulate the husband. So it's not out of to honor Christ, it's out of get it to get your way. And then some women, it's brazen insubordination. Sin didn't create headship and submission. Now listen, it ruined them and distorted them and made them ugly and destructive. Now if this is true, and it is, then the redemption we anticipate that is coming and comes through Christ is not the dismantling of the original idea of Adam and Eve and, and headship and submission. It's not the dismantling of the created, created order of loving headship, willing submission, but it is a recovery of what it, what it, excuse me, it is a recovery of it from the ravages of sin. So Christ came into the family to redeem it and recover it from, the, from what sin has brought into it. Remember, the whole goal, actually, as we've been journeying through the Bible, God is seeking a family. The whole point is to get us back to the Eden that we, we rebelled from. And these roles of man and woman, male, female, husband, wife, were made for our own Blessing for our own protection and for our own good. And this is what we find in Ephesians 5. Wives, let your fallen submission be redeemed by modeling it after God's intention for the church. Husbands, let your fallen headship be redeemed by modeling it after God's intention for Christ. So God has given a responsibility to Christian fathers to raise children in the ways of the Lord according to the Bible. Not according, now hear me today, not according to their fathers, though we can learn biblical principles, but they still belong to God. 
So fathers were not to raise our children according to their fathers or according to your mother. We're not to raise our children according to our wives. It's our responsibility, but we are together to raise our children. The Christian father who bears the greatest responsibility in partnership with his wife for the substance of a biblical home. That falls on the man. Again, you are in partnership with your wife. We need our wives. Amen? This is in partnership. So if the wife says, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't think we should raise our kids that way. We're going to raise our kids this way because it's in the Bible. You're not to be swayed because she'll be upset. No, you, you, you're to gently, graciously lead her, wash her with the word. Much, not all, but much of the degrading spiritual condition of the Christian home is directly connected to the failure of the Christian men. Who do not apply Ephesians 5 and 6 to their families, who do not apply Deuteronomy 6, who do not apply 1 Corinthians. I'm not saying that if the enemy has deceived one of your children, particularly if that child is older. I'm not saying it's because you failed. God's children failed. So children have a free will. So don't be condemned today. What I am saying is we need to understand this is the structure and the order of our home. This means that our role is to apply the truths of God's word if, if your child goes off the rails as they're older, our role, our role has changed, but we're still to apply the truth of God's word to reach them, to love them. We're still to apply the truth of God's word. We're not to no longer, okay, they're out of my house. I don't use the word anymore when I interact with them. No, that's, our role has changed, but it's still to apply the word of God. For the Christian family, Ephesians 5 is how we serve and how we love our wives. I promise you this, men. Your wife would love to submit to a Jesus-like spirited leader in the home as you lead the home. I promise you. Who wouldn't want to submit to Jesus? And for single men, my, my, my challenge to you is to live your life like a husband. Don't live your life like a boyfriend. Listen, women are looking for a husband, not a boyfriend. You live your, you live your life like a husband. <laughs> you live your life like a husband. Be a man that's faithful. Be a man of integrity. Be a man that actually stands for truth. Be a man that has a backbone. Be a man that is masculine. Be a man who's got a grunt in his chest. Paul goes on to speak about Christian biblical households in Ephesians 6. He breaks it down into three categories. And this is it. And this is, got, we're gonna, this is the point today. Three categories. He breaks it down into children, parents, and then fathers. 
This is the biblical household. He begins in Ephesians 6, children, obey. Oh, shoot. (laughs) Obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. No, culture says, "Uh uh-uh, no. That's wrong. No, actually, it's right. It's right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well. So look, look. Why? Why would God tell fathers to actually raise their children in the way of the Lord? Why would we want to raise our children? Why would we want to teach them to obey? Um, That it may go well with them. And that you, the children, may live long, a long life in the land. If you don't want it to go well with your children, then don't teach them to obey. This word obey, it's a countercultural word. We don't like it. Partly because of our nationality. Secondly, well, first because we're human. Secondly, because of our nationality. Biblical children in a Christian household are to obey their parents. This is not wrong. This is right. Now, we know, though, I know, if you have children, um, a child's nature is not to obey. I was, I was teaching this in our, in our impact team pre-service as we were talking about. And I said, you know, as children workers, children are not born. Yay, let's obey. <laughs> They're precious. <laughs> They're awesome. But they have a sin nature. And biblical parents, everybody said biblical. Biblical parents are to shape their hearts and to teach them to obey. It's the job of parents. The world says, though, this is the, but the culture says this. And, and friends, it has made its way into the church of Jesus Christ. The culture says, just leave children to their own. They will naturally become responsible. They will naturally become respectful. They will naturally become contributors to society. They will naturally turn out good. All you need to do is just feed them and then just fend, just give them a safe place to, to, to let the inner butterfly come out and flap away and be the perfect adult. That's what the world says. That's what some Christian, Christian homes actually do. No, I'm just going to give them a safe place. They're going to have to decide whether they want to obey. Uh, they, it's already decided. They're sinful. They're not going to. A parent teaches the children to obey. You don't do it in dominance. You don't do it in, 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 out of aggression. You do it out of obedience as unto the Lord. Listen, I know this is hard. I know this is, you're dying on the inside. I know you're having to die to your flesh. But I love you enough and I want you to live a long life. Boy, you're going to do this. Because I love you. So the world says, "You you just let them be. 
Now, let me ask you something. Have you seen our world lately? <laughs> it ain't working. We have, we have, um, we have adults, physical adults, who are children on the inside. And so we are to teach our children to obey. And we, we teach them that they have a sinful nature. We, we let them know, hey, just so you know, you, you're a sinner. Johnny, you know why you just pitched that fit? Because you need Jesus. <laughs> you have to teach them that, that they have a sinful behavior. and We have to correct their pride. We have to correct their disobedience. We have to, we have to speak to their fleshly desires. And we, we, if they're pitching a fit, we're going to say, okay, just when you're done, just pitching your fit. Just let me give you a safe space to break all mama's dishes. You just go right ahead. You're to say, listen, you have a sinful nature. And this is why God sent his son, Jesus, because he wants to cleanse you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to remove whatever is going on inside of you. And he wants to give you a new nature. That's what biblical parents do. Teach your children. This is what biblical fathers do to obey. You teach to obey. It's not just about their behavior. You're not, you're not just, just trying to get them to be something. You're trying to shape their hearts. You're trying to soften their hearts. You're trying to teach them there are consequences for their, for their sin. You're trying to teach them as consequences for your anger. They're, you're trying to teach consequences for you to talk back to mama. There's consequences. And you're shaping their heart. You're softening their heart. You're teaching them so that they would receive the new nature that Jesus is offering them. And a father in partnership with his wife, this is what you are responsible for. Now listen, this is why it really matters who you marry. We tell our kids often, it really matters who you marry. You need to, you need to be in agreement on what it, what's the structure of a biblical home. You need to talk about it. You need to be in agreement on what are we going to do about as far as discipline with our children. You need to biblically understand if this is if we're going to be a Christian family, then this is we are both seeking together, asking God for his grace and asking God for his humility, asking God for the men, God help me to serve my wife and help me to love my children the way that you do. And the wife is seeking God, Lord, help me to submit to my husband as he submits to you. And Lord, help me to serve my children. Help me to have your nature because God, we want everything that you have. help us to teach our children to obey. And I know this doesn't sound normal. It doesn't sound normal. It doesn't sound normal because the world has defined a counterfeit definition of what it means to love their children. 
Matter of fact, they are, that definition is imposing their own will onto them. And they actually don't love them. They are demonstrating that they hate them. They are deceived. And unfortunately, this, this has come into the church. It's come into young couples. They've just, oh, it's, it's acceptable. The reality is God is love. God is love. And his word defines what a loving father and home should look like. He himself demonstrates what a righteous father looks like. Hebrews 12 says this, if God doesn't discipline you, as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us, now look at this, for a few years, and that's true, just for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Discipline is God's idea. And this is how our homes are to be. Now, we are, again, to discipline out of the spirit of Christ We're to discipline out of the truth of God's word. We're to discipline, now hear me today, out of the fruit of the spirit. And if you aren't there, then don't you dare discipline. You you, you get a hold of God and you say, Lord, help me. That's what real men do. That's what godly men do. Do we fail? Yes. Do we repent? Absolutely. Do we keep doing and striving to be what God's called us to be? Yes. Does our wife cheer us on? You better believe she does. She's dying for her husband to be the man that she reads in the scriptures. And we just don't want obedience. Obedience is on the outside. We want our children to honor And that honor is taught. Honor is important. So, so many Christian families, and you know, the, the, the pendulum swings over the years, but so many Christian families we, will, get, will come over here and it's all about behavior, 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 behavior. No, no. Yes, but no. It's about honor. God wants us to obey him and honor him. So we are honoring him through our obedience to him. It's just not about religion and rules. No, it's about, it's we are, we are teaching honor. Because honor is a big deal. Honor, one of the values in our house, you could ask our kids today, hey, what's, what's, what do we do as kings? Well, we honor and we respect in this house. That's right. So if it doesn't honor or respect God and his word, we don't do it. If it's not honoring and respectful to one another, we don't do it. Was that honor and respecting? No. Okay, so apologize. Okay. There are times I'm not honoring and I'm not respectful. And guess what? I apologize. And I just don't apologize if I'm dishonoring to my, if I'm dishonoring to my children, or then I, I go to them and I apologize. If there's anyone else in the room that heard me, saw me, saw my reaction, was like, dang, dad's a little cranky today. Whatever it may be, I then go to them, hey, I'm really sorry. My behavior was inappropriate. It was not honoring, not respectful. 
please forgive me. I'm still being conformed to the image of Christ. If I'm dishonoring to my wife in any way, I will go to her, hey, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have spoken that direct, that harsh. Just happened the other day. Believe it or not, it was the once a year that it happens. <laughs> I was in a hurry. She had some questions. It was just life, marriage, you know. I'm trying to get out the door and go preach the word of God. You know, I'm just running. <laughs> She's saying something. I'm like, bah, 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 bah. and I was like, oh. hey, I'm sorry. I was really sharp and direct. It's not very honoring. Please forgive me. She's like, of course I forgive you. And then I go, Ellie, uh, hey, I'm sorry. I was uh, not very honoring to your mom. Please forgive me. I didn't set a good example. She's like, okay. And then Cheryl talked to me, and then she talked to Ellie, and then I'm like, all right, we're good. We're good. All right. Love you all. We left. And I left. But this is that, it, it's hard work. But we're teaching honor, respect, obedience, humility. This is what us fathers do. Men, we are to be the leaders of our homes. And that starts with our first, our obedience and our honor and our respect to our heavenly father. Our relationship with God flows to our family. It doesn't take long for you to look around at our families. Listen, I know this is a difficult word today, but this is what I want you to know. It's in the Bible because when we read it, it means that God will help us become it. It's not about your efforts. It's about you like, Lord, I want to be that. Will you forgive me and help me and cleanse me that I would be the man that you've called me to be? That's why it's there. It's to show us what is possible. If you were to look around in our own, in our own society, in our own churches, we know that there are some things out of order. In our nation, in, our, in the next generation, in our generation, whatever generation that may be, and I want, you to, I, want to, I want you to look at the solution to these things being out of order. I want you to look at the solution that God's given to bring life, to bring correction, to bring stability, to bring healing, to bring protection, to bring provision of the issues at hand that you're facing in your home, you're facing in our society. How is it that we raise a, a new generation? How is it that God uses us, regardless of where you are today, as men, to speak into the next generation, to serve them, to love them, to raise a generation in the ways of the Lord, instead of duplicating the brokenness of our own generation or of the generation that's around us? What is it? What's the solution Paul gives us? It's the next word, Ephesians 6. This is it. 6.1. He says this. Fathers. This is the solution. Fathers. Fathers are the solution. 
Whether you have natural biological children or not, you are a father. You are called by God to speak into those younger than you and to be an example for them to model. That is a man of God. I want to be like him. So he speaks to fathers and he's speaking to the home. He says, so don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Again, mothers and fathers equal values. But according to the Bible, fathers carry a unique, weighty responsibility. Whether he wants it or not, it's on you. Fathers, again, these are godly homes. Paul knows that fathers can provoke children to anger. And he says, you shouldn't do that. And so godly fathers receive the word of God. So how is it, how how do we provoke our, our children to anger? Many ways. We can be hypocrites. We can tell them not to do things and then they see us do it. Or we can tell them to do things and then they never see us do it. That can provoke a child to anger. We don't show tenderness or kindness and we don't demonstrate the fruit of the spirit. That can provoke them to anger. We can be emotionally detached and never really speak into their life and never really add value to them and never really just like, uh, they just, we just, okay. We just let our children be. And the child has a deep, deep God-given desire to have a father who cares and loves and speaks and We can provoke our children to anger when we disengage from leading the family, when we shame our children instead of encourage them, when we degrade them instead of, hey, can we just talk for a second about what's going on? You can provoke a child to anger when you, as a man, you use your physical strength to dominate or demean or humiliate a child, or they see you do that to, your, to their mother. We can provoke a child to anger if we're lazy, if we don't work hard, if we never say we're sorry, if we never show and exert loving leadership. If we don't ever say, I failed, please forgive me. All those things and many more can provoke a child to anger. This is not to condemn us. This is that the fathers, the men, the godly men, calling all godly men, that we would understand God's calling to us. It is not easy. It is not light. It does not come natural. But this is our role. We are to be men of God who trust 
in the grace of God and who ask him to help us become what we read in the scriptures. What does this mean? How do we, then the next thing, how do, that we're to discipline and instruct our children in the Lord. Well, we read it back in Deuteronomy 6 that we're, when you sit, when you walk, when you, in other words, you're always teaching. Men, we're always teaching. We always should be finding opportunities to teach. We should be sharing the Bible with our kids, talking about the scriptures, teaching them about modesty when we see something that's not modest. Teaching our men what it means. If you see a, a female being, uh, being mistreated, then you, you do something about it. I was in a, at the TSA, and uh, I, was, I was going through, and these two TSA agents in front of me made a comment about an attractive woman, and they, they made a comment about her anatomy, and they're saying it out loud. I thought, you jerk. That she would be objectifying women like that and saying it out loud to make them feel, she would have heard, that's, 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 she would have been uncomfortable, she would have felt intimidated. So I said, hey, you need to stop talking that way about that female. I said, it's inappropriate, it's unprofessional, let me see your manager. And they said, what? I said, I heard what you said, you too, about her. Go get your manager. And when he got the manager, the manager came over, kind of sheepish. I said, hey, listen, um, I want you to know these two employees are making sexual comments out loud to the people who are coming through. That is a female who's traveling who does not deserve to hear their ideas about her. And I said, it's unprofessional, it's wrong, and you need to write them up. And he said, okay, thank you. I said, listen, I, I said, and I promise you this, she's not the only one that they've said that about. Why did I do that? I'll tell you why. Because God has made me a man and he's called me to protect women. She may not need a protection. But it doesn't matter. That's what God's called me to do. Our children should see us do things like this, man. We can be reasonable. We can be of the spirit. We're not, we're not walking around with our brass knuckles. No, we, remember, we are Christians. We do things with class, integrity, fruit of the spirit. But we as men should model what it means. How do we teach with our lifestyle? With our, with, our, with our words. When you're watching TV, you go, uh, we're not going to watch that. You model masculinity. You love. You bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Why? 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 Why do we have to go through all this trouble? Well, if you love your children, it says this. So that, verse 3. It may go well with you and that you, speaking to children, may live long in the land. Listen, the title of father 
It's the highest honor that can be given to a human being because the title Father is shared with God, our Father. We have a role. It's not about value. It's not about worth. It's about a role. The role of a father is to transfer the character, instruction, and purposes of God to his children and to those who are around him. With no reservation, I would say the God-given role, the function, the purpose of men. That's why, think about The enemy is attacking that. That's why some of us were uncomfortable even talking about the structure of the family. That's why some of you are dismantling what I've said and basing it off of someone's own personality and this and their makeup and their design and their this. The Bible says, why is that that even happening in our heads? Because the enemy has targeted the protective, the spiritual, the covering, the head, and the family. He's, he's targeting the man and the role and the, and the, and the gender and the, all of the, the, all the, the stinking strategy against the enemy. And we men have to be the ones that say, no more. I'm going to be a man of God. Some sobering questions, and then we're going to pray. Do you want your daughter to marry a man like you? Because she probably will. Do you want your sons to become men like you? Because there's a high probability they will. It's time to become the man that God has called you to be. That doesn't start with effort, your will, it just starts with surrender. If every man here can just stand to their feet for a moment. God believes in you. God made you and shaped you to be a man of God. Have you messed up? Yes. Take a number, get in line with me. But God has uniquely designed and called you to be a man, awake and alive, sober in this hour for a younger generation, maybe even for your generation. And God's call to you is not one out of shame, not one out of condemnation. It's one out of every one of us in this room. I'll tell you this right now. 
what we've just read in scripture, what we've just defined, every one of us want to be that man. Every one of you want to be that man. And we are, and we make excuses and we back out of being that man because it's too hurtful for us to come to grips with where we've failed and where we've, where we've fallen and where we've, we've given up. It's too hurtful and the, and the work that's going to take, it's too overwhelming. But listen to me, listen, God is speaking to the man inside of you. And he's calling you to come out of obscurity, to come out of just this, this, this world of a man that you allow culture to tell you what you're supposed to be and to step into who he's designed you to be as a man of God. He's inviting you. He's saying, come on, I'm looking for a willing man who will say yes to me. Not that you do the work, but that you say yes to the one who will do the work in you and through you. He's looking for a man who will surrender. And that's us today. And I believe that God wants to do that in you today. Do, you, do all of us have some work to do? Yes. Do all of us have some repentance? Yes. Do all of us have a phone call to make? Yes. Is it going to be hard? Yes. But listen, we're men. We do hard things. That's what we do. Does it mean I have to make some lifestyle changes? Yes. Does it mean that I have to stop having hobbies on the side? They're really, are really my own. They destruct me. Yes. That's what it means. Is it hard? Yes. But you're a man and you do hard things. God believes in you. You need to take your faith. And as you're examining yourself, men, and I need to do the same. And I look and you look and you go, oh man, I don't know if I can do this. I, I don't know if I have the faith in me. How about this? Take your faith from you. And put your faith in his faith in you. He put it in his word. He put his spirit inside of you because he believes in you. This isn't about you. It's about him. Let's believe that he can make me into the man of God that he's calling me to be. Amen. Let's pray, men. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to respond to your word today that I wanna be the man of God you called me to be. I wanna be an example of what it means to put you first in my life. I wanna be an example of what it means to lay my pride aside and to apologize, to not demand my narrative and not demand that I tell you why or what was really going on, but I just simply say, I'm sorry, I failed you, please forgive me. Lord, today we, we want to be men who say yes to your word. We want to be men who ask you to cleanse us and forgive us of our lusts, of our anger, of our laziness. Forgive us for allowing our wives to lead the home spiritually because we just were too lazy to do it. Lord, forgive us for not loving our children the way we should. Forgive us for making decisions out of fear. Forgive us for being arrogant. And Lord, today, I give you my life. Today, I give you my heart. I don't know how it's all going to 
work out and work in me, but Lord, I put my faith in your faith that all things are possible, that you can heal and you can restore. And I can be a man that I'm proud to be. Lord, today I pray that you would bring healing to the men's hearts in this room who have been broken, who have been shattered by other men, by fathers, by disappointment. Lord, today we say yes to your healing. And we leave here today different because we've seen what you've called us to be. And now we trust in your spirit to do it in us. Lord, I am your son. I am a man. Let me be and act. What your word says I can be and how I can act. And so, Lord, with our hands raised as the men of Faith Church, use these hands for righteousness. Use them for protection. Use them for provision. Use them to love. Use them to show kindness. Use them to demonstrate your love for others and your call on our lives. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. Amen. Can we, one more time, men, just stay standing for a moment. For everyone that's seated, men, don't clap. Can you tell these men that you're grateful that they're in your lives? Amen. 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 Let's all stand to our feet. Happy Father's Day, men. Happy Father's Day. Let's pray. If you can, just bow your head just for a moment. If you're here today and nobody's looking around and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you realize that you need him in your life and you want to give your life to him and you want him to cleanse you, you want him to give you a new start, If you want to give your life to him today, nobody's looking around, just raise your hand right now, right where you are. Lift your hand. Be a man. Be a woman. Lift your hand. Just hold it up. Let me see it. See you, brother. Hold it up. Nobody's looking around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Many hands that went up. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. The scripture says that we would come into alignment with what Jesus has done. And we're going to all pray together. Let's all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new heart. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of the things I've done against others. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And from this moment forward, I give you my life and I'm going to follow you in Jesus' name.
Amen and amen.